This is Winning with ADHD, a podcast for parents to empower students. Build up your ADHD teens so that they recognize their own talents, creativity, and uniqueness. Get tips and tricks to help overcome executive functioning challenges. Listen to stories and experiences of what worked and what did not. Together, let's find ways to build your child's self-esteem and start winning with ADHD. And now, here's your host, Heather Walker. Welcome to January of 2024. I'm Heather Walker, and I'm your host for the Winning with ADHD podcast, specifically for parents. This month and for all of 2024, I would like to walk through some things that can have actionable items. I actually shared a comment recently about remembering when we were in math class and the teacher went through all of the lesson, taught you all of the things on how to solve these math problems with this formula and all of the pieces. And throughout the lecture, you understood exactly what they were looking for. You're like, okay, all right, great. I've got this. I understand. And then you sit down to do it by yourself with that one problem and your head drops into your hands and you're like, I don't know what to do. Like it's a very defeating and deflating feeling when you think that you have the tools and the the skill set necessary to be able to solve for something you understand the concepts that have come with it but to actually apply it and know what that first step step to take is can be very overwhelming and difficult and i think parenthood as a whole fits into that example of okay great i understand I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know what it's supposed to kind of look like, but what is the first step that I take? And I think that today's conversation is actually going to be a lot like most parenting examples or even just um, relationships in general. And we're going to talk about conflict resolution. And one of the things that I'm going to just start right out of the gate with is working on things as a parent to help be able to be a better parent of our children in general, but also specifically those with ADHD, since that's our focus here. And you may have this little bit of a twinge of a thought in the back of your head of like, why am I always the one that needs to make a change? Why am I the one that walks away out of therapy with responsibility? Why am I the one that has to check in? Why am I the one that needs to sit at the table with them while they're working? Why do I need to do these things? And I say all of those things because those are all thoughts that I've had at different times. Um, And I've learned that each time that we, um, I kind of like reset myself and we get through a situation and then we come around to a new situation, I tend to find myself almost in that same cycle of why do I have to do this? Why am I the one that has to put in so much work and they don't have to put in the work, or at least that's how it feels or could feel. If you feel those things or have had those thoughts, um, you're not alone. Having said that though, I've learned that we make the most success when I look inward And I look at how I can show up better as a parent and as a leader. Now, having said that, I'm not great at this, but when I apply the concept, we make so much more progress. So I'm going to share with you some things around conflict resolution and um, 
this exercise is actually for you to think about um, conflict that has happened in the past and then utilizing what you work through in this um, framework so that the next time you have conflict that you will alter the way that you're showing up and hopefully start to see the way that the conflict um, evolves into becoming more productive because let's face it, what is conflict? Why does it arise? It comes up because there is differing opinion or different viewpoints on how something should be addressed or handled, whether you're in the workforce or at home or um, just with people in general, right? So let's talk about the first step here. And the first one is identifying the conflict. And we might think, well, we know what the conflict is about. They did this and I did this and um, you know, I'm upset because they didn't do this, et cetera. But generally it kind of like, if we sit down and kind of unbake it a little bit, we find out some more things that are in there. So in this framework um, and the worksheets that are gonna be attached to this podcast will be to first identify who are the participants. So who was involved? Was it you and your child? Was it you and your spouse or partner? Was it um, you and your child and maybe one of the siblings? Um, what does that look like? The next thing would be to describe the conflict. And so what was challenging around it? And I want you to be really specific about what triggered the event. So if you had an argument over taking out the trash and you're like, as the parent, you're like, your chore chart says today is the day to take out the trash. And your child responds with, I'll do it in a minute. And you respond with saying, well, if you do it in a minute, you'll forget, you won't get it done. Please do it now. Okay. So you would say that the trigger to the conflict was the reminder to take out the trash. And it continued because your child resisted the request to take out the trash. And so what are some other factors that are a part of this? So contributing factors can be external factors, or they can be internal factors. So, so an external factor is your environmental situation. So what has the day looked like? Have you had a good day so far? Have you already been bickering a little bit throughout the day? Um, did they wake up on the bad side of the, on the wrong side of the bed? Did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Um, are they playing a game? Do they have friends over? Um, what are their expectations for their time right now? And then internal factors could be, what is their emotional state? That could also be the get out of bed in a good mood or a bad mood as well. But also um, what else is going on in their life or your life that could have an impact on the situation? Um, because of the mood that you're in, how did you ask for them to take out the trash? And I know that one can be hard to um, be there, but if you're frustrated with them because you're always having to remind them to take out the trash, there could be a tone that you bring with your statement that kind of um, triggers them and their response. The next thing is, is what was your emotional response? So we're using the example of taking out the trash. And your response could be, I can see you're playing your game. Can you pause it? Or when is the earliest you can pause it and take it out? 
Or you could be upset and you could say, you never take out the trash. I remind you all the time and you still don't do it. And then I end up taking it out. And so you could be um, argumentative in your stance and coming out of the gate with past behaviors. Um, what was their emotional response? Did they get really angry? Did they shut down? Did they um, say, fine, I'll do it, right? Like, how did they respond? So there's a number of different ways that people can respond. They can either get up and just do it and say, yeah, I've got it. They could um, say, you always ask me when I just start my game. They could become really defensive. They could be angry. Um, if they're physical in their responses, they could also um, like hit something or punch something. Um, they could yell back at you. So take note of how you responded emotionally, how they responded emotionally. And then the next step would be to assess what type of communication was happening. So there are tons of different communication styles um, that everybody uses. The two main ones that we know of, right, like right on basic high level overview is verbal communication and nonverbal communication. So you can say one thing, but your face, <laughs> I'm guilty of that one. Your face could say something different. The way that your body language is, could say something different than your actual words. Um, and then we have effective and ineffective communication. So think about of the types of communication used, whether it was derogatory communication or whether it was coaching communication or um, whatever it might have been in that scenario. Think about it and say, well, were these strategies that we used, were they effective or did they contribute to the escalation of the conflict? So I think when we think back to what was your emotional state or their emotional state or internal and external factors, um, when I'm asked this question, I can quickly say, you know what? I was already agitated. I was agitated because I have to always ask for you to take out the trash and the chore chart is on the counter counter and it's there every day. And you have this chore every Monday and you still have to be reminded. And I still have to ask you. And every time I go to throw something away, the trash is full and I have to end up taking it out myself. So if I think about myself as a parent, that can be an example of where I'm already agitated. And because of that, because of the history of the way things have happened, knowing that I've also taken effort to make it easier meaning you have the chore chart. It's on the skylight calendar. You can see it. You know that you have trash on Mondays because you've taken out trash on Mondays for all time. Um, and then you could say, well, my behavior escalated the conflict because I was already agitated and I almost came out of immediately at the beginning of the conversation frustrated and angry and took all of that emotional baggage and things that are there and applied it to this situation. What would have happened if I had taken a deep breath and said something different? I noticed you're on your game, but the trash is full and I'm unable to put the trash in there. Can you please take it out? I think that that in an in entirety will automatically set the conversation different. But Let's say that I didn't do that, which has happened many, many times, and we're already in the conflict. What can you do at that point while you're already in the conflict that will maybe help um, 
de-escalate the situation rather than escalate it. So let's say I came out and was immediately yelling about the trash. They responded and they were angry. I could take a deep breath and say, oh, wait, we're in a conflict right now. What can I do to help guide this conversation, this conflict into a different direction? Because really what I want is them to take out the trash. I don't really want to fight. Well, maybe I do. Maybe that's another thing to think about in your analysis of this. Were you just looking for a fight because you're frustrated and you needed to get something off your chest? Um, if that's the case, we should look at that as well and think about that um, on how we can work through that and not create more conflict and more baggage that goes along with it. So if I wanted to de-escalate it, I can say, you know what? I said that kind of frustratingly because I went to throw my trash away and I couldn't throw it away because it was already full. And I know today is your trash day. Do you think you could help with this? So those are some of the solution things that are there, which really takes us to the next step, which is resolution strategies. So look at what strategies were used during the conflict. And the answer could be, there were no strategies used. So just know that that can be one of the answers. I did not deploy any strategies, I just fought. I am guilty of that as well. Or you can include things that you did do. What attempts did you put in place to de-escalate or to create a compromise? So that could be a lot of different things of, let's go back to taking out the trash. They say, I'm playing a game. And you say, well, you're always playing a game. And they say, well, it's a live action game. I can't just stop or pause it. Um, and you could say something like, um, maybe going forward, we could check the trash before we start a live action game, given that you know that that's your responsibility. Now, whether or not that actually creates anything at that moment in time, um, I think if we are not, if we're in a place of resolution or working together in the conversation, they should be in a place where they can logically recognize that, right? Um, and then the next thing would be to um, describe the outcome of the conflict and attempt. Was the conflict resolved or is it still ongoing? There's many times that, I've had a conflict and I'm still mad a day later or two days later, um, or they're mad. Um, and so is it still going on? Have you resolved it? If you did resolve it, how did you come to a resolution? So you can say, I did deploy strategies. These are the ones that I did. This is what happened with it. We resolved it and we moved on. Or we had a conflict. We didn't resolve it. I didn't deploy any strategies. This is where we are. Um, just taking note of the situation as a whole, really, it's not right or wrong at this point. It's evaluating what happened. Did it go well? Did it not go well? What can we do in the future to see if that will go better? What do we not want to do in the future to see if it will go better? And then the next thing would be like lessons learned. So if you know that they're on a game, and you're going to talk to them about the trash that it's instantly going to be triggering and it's going to cause a conflict, then maybe we think about the timing in which we mentioned this. And so I get it. Kids can be on games or doing other activities and not taking care of their responsibilities, what feels like all the time. So thinking about what could we learn from it? They just sat down. 
I can recognize that that would be frustrating. Um, what are some things that we could do as an improvement plan? What are specific steps or strategies that you can implement in the future to help prevent conflict or come to resolution in the conflict? Because let's be honest, the situation we're walking through as an example of taking out the trash is one small, very specific type of conflict. There are much larger types of conflict that um, can be addressed with your middle school or high schooler, which is kind of the, the age range that um, I'm addressing here. Um, so what are some specific things that you can do? And sometimes that one can be a really hard step because at times it's like, well, they should know to check this or they should know to do this or whatever. And so maybe we can look at it differently. If you have a person who likes games, as an example, um, maybe you could reward them with extra time if they take out the trash before they start their games. Maybe um, you can set it up to where they can take out trash at different times. Maybe you could quietly take the trash out and set it next to the counter instead of being upset about it and seeing what happens from there. Because um, I've actually had that situation where um, I've done something similar and they're like, oh, my bad, let me take care of that. And they'll do it and it's at a different time, but there wasn't that tension and that conflict and friction that comes from the expectation not being met and the frustration and the building up of all of those emotions and feelings that come along with it. So, um, that's kind of the, the framework of looking at a conflict after it has happened. And then you can step back and you can look at it and say, as a new situation comes up, what should I do instead? So you kind of have a plan. I know that when I don't have a plan and conflict arises, well, oftentimes my emotions tend to take over and then I get really mad at myself about how I handled the situation. But if I can be reviewing what happened last time? How do I want it to go this next time? And being able to let go of some of the things that are important to me or the frustrations that I'm trying to like uh, minimize, right? So if I think about it as chores and getting chores minimized or getting chores completed, um, what I'm trying to minimize is my frustration around the chores not being completed or the frustration of trying to throw something away and the trash can's always full or going to get toilet paper and there is no toilet paper because the person who took the last of it didn't put new in, right? I think we can all relate to um, some of these examples, right? It is incredibly frustrating, but is it really worth the, the anger that you feel inside and the lack of peace that you feel within your home? And while I have done many of these things and not that long ago also, um, I would say I am happiest when our family is working cohesively as a unit and looking to hear from different sides. So if I turn that around and I put it back on myself, um, if I just sat down to read a book and somebody asked me to go get something, I'm frustrated, right? And so I can kind of put myself in my teen's um, shoes of, I just sat down to play my game. I've been really looking forward to this and I can go take out the trash when I'm done. And so I think where there can be a difference is, is as the adult or the parent, you will go do it. 
Um, and maybe as the parent, you don't always believe that your teen or your child will go take care of that responsibility. So what are some things that we can do to help kind of um, work through that? Every family is going to be different. Some of the things that we have done is we have the skylight calendar. We have the chores that are on it. Um, it is on all the time. So it's on the screen and it's right there on the kitchen counter, right by all the food, which they like to visit. Um, but it doesn't always work. And it's not always something that um, gets done and can be very frustrating. I feel like every morning I get up and after my kids go to school, I go to put something in the trash and it's full because the person who did it the day before may have emptied it once, but they didn't empty it at the end of the day and it was full. So it's common that my kids will come home and empty it right after school or check it right after school and say, oh, trash doesn't need to be taken out. Check, did that, right? And in theory, they did. So one thing we can do is we could say, um, set it for right before they go to bed. Is the trash still empty, right? And asking them that question to say, yes, it's good. Let's uh, mark that off. And so having multiple reminders can be something that could be helpful. Um, creating that habit of going to the skylight. And so instead of um, saying, did you take out the trash? And said, did you check your chore list? So it's forcing them to go to the place where it's at and be able to follow through on it and be, oh yeah, I did that. Oh yeah, I did that. Another thing that we've encountered is that they're saying all of their stuff is done, but you can clearly see that nothing's been marked off and you've added specific things in there. And they're like, well, I didn't know that was there. And I'm like, that's why you go check it, right? And so it's just constantly pushing back to the habits that you're wanting to take. I have referenced James Clear multiple times. He is an author um, specifically of the book Atomic Habits, but he focuses on four main trigger points on creating a new habit or um, stopping a bad habit, right? One of the things that he talks about is make it visible, make it easy to not ignore. So if an example that is used often is working out, put your workout shoes and clothes by the side of the bed, for example. And so what can we do to make it obvious? And so if you take out the trash and you set it next to the counter and you put in a new bag and then you let it go, there's an amazing amount of peace that can come to you as a parent by letting that happen and then letting them take it out. Not to mention, you just saved the relationship in a sense to where you weren't barking orders, you weren't yelling at them, and you were able to put a couple of seconds into pulling the trash bag out and putting your trash in there. And you weren't then angry, right? And holding on to that and then creating that extra baggage that kind of builds up, right? Because I talked about at the beginning, you never take out the trash. I'm always having it full and whatever. And so all of those instances start adding up more and more and more, which then makes it to where you start out automatically agitated. So if we can remove that agitation. The part that you can do is you can start out the conversation not having been agitated because of the steps that you've taken. So these are things that you can do as a parent to help make the situation less uh, intense, um, less conflict, um, but still at the same point, holding them accountable to the parts that they need to be accountable to. There are much larger conversations that can cause conflict. Um, so think about these for your situations. Um, every family has different ones. 
whether um, it be homework or how they're treating other people. Clearly, there are different situations that have far greater consequences by the actions being taken that therefore cause the conflict. So please take those into account and into mind as you walk through these steps, knowing that there are varying degrees of conflict and severity of what is driving the conflict. And in many cases, in many ways, the example I've given is very menial um, and just not that important when you think about the bigger conflicts that can come into play regarding safety um, and other things like that. So um, please don't take this to be something that is minimizing those types of scenarios. Having said that, um, there are some worksheets though that I've included with this podcast. Um, one is a brain dump that just allows you to answer a few things. A lot of times when I am really upset around conflict, um, the emotions just kind of overtake my entire thought process. And every time I've done a brain dump, um, whether it be talking to somebody and dumping it out that way or writing it down, it's allowed me to move into more of an analytical and logical space a lot faster. And when I do that, I'm allowed to generally show up as somebody that I'm proud of, or at least not mad at for how I showed up. So walk through the brain dump on one of your more recent conflicts. And then the next thing would be to kind of finish this discovery process. So the first part is really just you thinking about all of your feelings and how your perspective and how it felt and just getting it all out. The next part is taking into consideration what caused the conflict. How did your child respond? How did you respond? Why do you think they responded that way? Why do you think you responded the way that you did? And so maybe being a little bit more reflective in what has happened. Um, and then the last part would be the improvement plan. So that's page three. And the first part is, is, well, what is your goal? If you are looking to solve for conflict resolution, clearly you would have a goal of something like, I would like to have a better relationship with my child. I would like to not be angry all the time. I would like for us to work together in running our household. I would like for them to be accountable for the things that they are responsible for. Um, those are types of things that could be your goals. And then walk through the steps on what can you do to get closer to that goal? Because if you are asking yourself, how can we get through a conflict or reduce conflict? Guess what? That means you're a great parent and it means that you care and it means that you want to be better. You want your child to be better. And overall, you want your family to have a peaceful, enjoyable home where you guys can have fun. And so I commend you for that and your efforts in trying to be better, regardless of how they show up. Because sometimes when we get to the point where there's so much coming at us, you can have some of those questions that I mentioned at the beginning of, why do I always have to change? One thing that my husband says all the time, and I actually think he said this in our very first episode of the podcast was, if I am looking for them to change, then I first need to look at how I'm going to change and what am I going to do to help make that better. And I think it's a really great way as a parent that we can set the example of, you know what? I didn't respond in a way that was healthy or the way that I should have. I was upset and agitated and I did these things. And then if you don't do those things anymore, 
they will start to notice whether they're willing to tell you that or recognize that the way that they respond will over time change as well because we also well both parties have a tendency to respond in the same way you always get mad about me not taking out the trash and you yell at me i then always yell back and fight back because you're always criticizing me that could be the viewpoint that they have and if you change that their natural tendency to respond will look different just like your natural tendency to say you never take out the trash excuse me you never take out the trash I always have to do this. Their tendency is going to be, you always get upset. You always yell at me. And then over time that that can change and the relationship will improve. And then we can be productive in our conflict resolution because hopefully they can then come to you and say, I'm having a problem. You're always asking me to take out the trash when I'm playing my game, right? And so it just allows for opportunity and um, a pathway to be able to solve that conflict a little bit less uh, emotional, in a less emotional state, right? So this is for your January action item. Every month this year, we're going to have an action item that goes along with the topic that is discussed. So again, this month is conflict resolution. I thought it was a great place to start because I believe that... Um, Every time that I've been in a place where I've been really struggling, there's a lot of conflict and I'm looking for ways to get out of that conflict. And one of the things that I've learned from my therapist are what are some things that I can let go of and what are some things that aren't as important, even though they are symptoms of a, a, a bigger problem or a bigger set of issues. And how can we start to work through those to be able to maintain the relationship? I hope you have a fabulous January and a wonderful 2024. I hope you download these um, free resources and be able to take them and um, improve your conflict resolution within your family. Winning with ADHD is brought to you by Disrupt ADHD. Head on to disruptadhd.com slash learn more.